It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Introducing Built to Last, a new podcast by American Express. I'm Elaine Welteroff, and I'm excited to host the debut season where we will be deep diving into the stories, history, and continued legacy of small businesses that shape American culture. Through these important conversations, we'll hear how the Black business leaders of our past have inspired today's Black-owned small businesses and communities. Join us for the debut season of Built to Last on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today we've got the lead story for you, a high-level preview of what we're going to be looking for in the last preseason game when players are battling it out for the last few spots on the 53-man roster and for practice squad spots for the Bengals. In the second segment, we'll talk about some individual players that we'll be watching closely and some matchups that we're particularly interested in, and maybe there's some rookies on the Colts that we'll be interested in. Maybe not. Andrew Luck retired, by the way. Third segment is going to be a mailbag. We'll have time to take a few listener questions, as we love to do. And then by the time you're done listening to the show, well, hopefully the Bengals are playing the Colts and we have something else to talk about. Now you're locked on Bengals' lead story. I'm Jake Lisko, along with Joe Goodberry. The Cincinnati Bengals play host to the Indianapolis Colts without Andrew Luck. Not that he'd play anyway, but that game's coming your way at 7 o'clock Eastern time Thursday night. Joe, what are we watching for as the Colts come to Cincinnati? Well, everyone pays attention to preseason week three because as we've seen, uh, Damian Willis is a good testament, so is the offensive line changes, that week three normally will set your starters. So you get those guys in, they play most of the preseason they're going to play, you pull them out, after that, you know who your starters are going to be. And then you rest all of those guys for week four. So week four may not seem very exciting, right? But the end of the roster and the practice squad is going to be filled out through this game. So there's a lot of young players that are going to get more playing time in week four than they've gotten all of preseason in the first three weeks. Joe, are there any guys that you can think of from your history of watching week four with your interest that you have as a guy that's really intrigued in those back of the roster guys, the last chance in a lot of cases to see some of the guys that you tracked through the draft process who then went on to actually be a significant NFL player? First guy I think of is Rex Burkhead. I remember in preseason he wasn't getting used much. I have a seventh-round pick, right? And so he's getting maybe fourth, late fourth-quarter snaps. He's behind a good stable of running backs. He was playing special teams. I remember he made a tackle on special teams, a nice block. He caught a few passes down one game in, you know, when they're in the two-minute drill and they're throwing the ball, and he's, he's catching, he's blocking. And I thought, all right, this Rex Burkhead looks a little more athletic than I thought he was going to be, even though he tested really well. So... I remember that that year saying he may be something in a year or two, and he ended up being a decent player for the Bengals and ultimately still playing for the Patriots. And he's still an exciting player for the Patriots. And last year, just as recently as last year, I should say, 
People picked him up as a flyer late round fantasy running back in PPR leagues before it became very clear that James White was going to be that guy in New England. Anybody you're watching this week on the Bengals at the back of the roster that you think might have that kind of future potential? I really want to see Jake Dolagala again. Um, just everything we've heard, right? You see him, he's big, he's decently athletic, he's got a cannon for an arm. You heard about the spring game and the, and the family day game, and then the one preseason game he gets last week, and he looked really good. And here's a guy for coming from a small school that is supposed to be raw and need time, but honestly, it looks like he belongs. And I don't think he's going to make the roster by any means, but he's fighting for not only a practice squad spot to be that third quarterback. So remember that practice squad quarterback can be your active uh, game day. Number three QB. He may have a chance to get on with other teams or other teams that were interested in quarterbacks. And in fact, the other team that offered him a undrafted college free agent contract was the Indianapolis Colts who are now down a quarterback and could use someone. They're going to get a firsthand look at him. I'm sure they'll be watching him very, very closely. And it kind of makes me wonder if Jeff Driscoll was healthy if Dolagala would even get snaps or if they try to fully hide him and sneak him on as much as you can to the practice squad and let Driscoll go out there and take the snaps. It felt like that was the case for, or the plan for Dolagala before Driscoll got hurt even in week three. I don't think they were going to use him at all, maybe not even until week four, just to keep other teams off of him a little bit. Uh, but the, the cat's out of the bag. I think everyone knows who he is and the upside he brings. The only problem is how many teams are keeping three quarterbacks these days on a guy that needs time to sit? Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. There might be more tempting practice squad destinations for Dolagala. That's always a possibility. You see guys go to other practice squads from time to time. It's not uncommon. What about the back of the roster, guys? We have contention at wide receiver, at corner, on the defensive line. Andrew Brown, who we just interviewed a few days ago, is going to probably be out there fighting for a roster spot. As our last year's corner rookies... Darius Phillips, who at one point looked like he had a roster spot locked down, and Devontae Harris. Yeah, that's three fifth-round picks from last year, all fighting for spots. Even though I'd like to keep all three guys, uh, I could see a case where only two of the three make it. Maybe Devontae Harris right now is looking outside in. I also think the back end of the wide receiver position is interesting. If you look at ESPN's projections, they had Ventel Bryant making the the 53-man roster as the seventh receiver. I don't see that, but he had a great game last week. And what if he puts together another strong performance? I think if you're in preseason fantasy, then he's a guy I'd look at also. I'd also keep an eye on Cody Core if you're doing preseason fantasy football for some reason. I did talk to Ben Baby, the ESPN reporter that put together his 53, about Ventrell Bryant's inclusion on the 53-man roster. And he said that Bob McNell's had good things to say. And Zach Taylor, including when I talked to him when I was in Cincinnati, and again in his most recent press conference said, this is the most impressive group of undrafted wide receivers he's ever been around in his NFL career. And we're not even including Stanley Morgan in that, who's been out since week two and doesn't look like he'll play again. I'd love to see him get one more chance to not only make this roster, but the practice squad. If he's fighting with Ventel Bryant for one receiving practice squad spot, being inactive isn't helping him. No, he has a tough battle, I would say, to make the team. He's almost certainly just looking at the practice squad at this point. This has been your Cincinnati Bengals lead story from Jake Lisko and Joe Gaberry of Locked on Bengals. Now we'll take a quick word from our sponsor, MyBookie. It's a new season. There are some players that have moved around, a lot of new faces in the AFC North. Odell Beckham Jr. is here. Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are gone. One thing that hasn't changed is where I'm putting my money down on the games, and that's MyBookie, really the best place to bet on football every weekend. MyBookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sport book, period. This year, 
They're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least 100000 and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. So if you think you're good at picking against the spread, 100 bucks, do it all season, see if you can win 100 grand. I might give that a try myself. Sounds fun. Besides the Super Contest, my bookie also has live in-game betting on every NFL game. So if you get the inkling, you have the inclination that the second half of that Seattle Bengals game in week one is going to go a certain way, go put your money down. You can get up to a $1,000 bonus on your first deposit. You have to make sure you use promo code Locked On to activate the offer when you sign up. So go visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use a promo code Locked On when creating your account to claim your bonus. We'll be right back. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? No, nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car. That's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. And we're back with the Lockdown Bengals podcast, our last preseason preview of 2019 which is fantastic because you know you know you're excited for preseason when it comes because it's football and then you get to preseason week four and it's definitely not football and you're ready for week one but that doesn't mean we're not watching I'm watching I like watching these back of the roster players these guys that were in the draft or didn't get drafted that I liked or maybe didn't like sometimes just to see how they perform this is their chance this is their opportunity about 90 percent of the roster for every team around the league is set 
but there are a few spots open at the end, and practice squad is still hugely important. I mean, you're going to dip into practice squad throughout the season before you go, so go and sign a guy off the street. So uh, these jobs are important for the team and making sure that they, they get the right mix of them because I think they're they're deep in some areas. Like it, it, at wide receiver, yeah, I could see them keeping two guys. They're already keeping Willis on the active 53, but Stanley Morgan, Ventel Bryant could both be on the practice squad. And then is there a, a linebacker worthy of a practice squad spot? Maybe Deshaun Davis because you just drafted him. But really, uh, you can look at corner and say the same thing, that they're deep there. Maybe you want to keep two guys, but maybe there's not a defensive end that really is worthy of keeping on the practice squad. So it's easy to say you can keep one at each position now that you can keep 10. But really, the depth kind of dictates where you where you want to keep those players. Yeah, and it's interesting because a lot of the guys that we feel like are good enough, you mentioned on the defensive line specifically, we want those on the 53. And then there are a few pretty obvious practice squad candidates that we've talked about. Joe mentioned a couple of the receivers. I think uh, Tyree Cannell is a name that I go to in the defensive secondary that I think is a shoe-in for the practice squad. He's been a solid back-of-the-roster safety he came from a solid program coming out of Michigan. I know you Ohio State fans don't want to hear about it, but solid program nonetheless. Produces NFL players. Really good practice squad candidate. Could contribute to your team in the future if he puts it together. So we're not looking for signs of this Ram style or 2019, I guess we're there now, Bengals offense. Instead, it's more, this is player evaluation to the core right this is what do we have in these guys can these guys progress have they progressed in these four weeks based on what we've seen I think Ryan Finley is first and foremost because he's going to start the game he's going to play a lot I wouldn't be surprised if he played into the third quarter uh, maybe they cut it at half and let Dolagala take the other half but can Finley keep up what he's done and now that he's going to get the start he's probably taken the reps in practice he's probably been more involved in the game planning this is his first chance to go out there with really half a roster and he's probably going to see those same thing for the Colts on the defensive side, but you still got to go out there and execute and and do this with players that probably won't be playing on Sunday for a lot of them. But uh, still, Ryan Finley, if he can keep up his level of play, that just bodes well for him. Instead, if he starts to tail off a little bit, maybe the hype from the first two weeks starts to cool down a little because he was okay last week. He wasn't great. I think in direct comparison with Daniel Jones and Jake Dolagala, I think Ryan Finley looked a little um, weaker at times. And we know he's got a weak arm, but I think even in comparison to those guys, it, it stood out. So maybe that's maybe that's what cooled me just a little bit more on him. But I hope he has a good week four just to strengthen our confidence in him as the backup quarterback now that it doesn't look like Jeff Driscoll's making this roster. And Pro Football Focus recently put out their piece on the top rookie quarterbacks of the preseason so far. And Ryan Finley's been okay. They point out that he's made no big-time throws, which I think we could all agree with if we go back and watch the tape on Ryan Finley. He hasn't made any throws that are really awe-worthy. He threw a couple nice, you know, intermediate kind of things in the middle of the field, nice anticipation throws. But a lot of that's because he has to throw with anticipation, as we've talked about, because of the arm strength issues. But he has had three turnover-worthy plays. One of them is really easy to remember in the first week he threw a ball, overthrew a guy into double coverage. That should have been picked off. I think the ball that Damian Willis caught down the sideline that helped solidify his roster spot over Janoris Jenkins is probably a turnover-worthy throw that was badly underthrown. And there was another one out there too. So those factors don't weigh in his favor. He's made some solid throws, but nothing that's really been like, oh yeah, that's a really nice throw. Uh, The other interesting note from Pro Football Focus today, our friend Evan McPhillips, who's been a guest on the show in the past, 
mentions that the evidence of that Rams offense that you talked about, Joe, that we don't really expect to see a lot in the fourth game of the preseason when they're really just trying to get tape on skill sets out there. In this preseason so far, the Bengals have used bunch formations 52.5% of the time, which is almost double, more than double, what they did in 2018. So we've talked a few times about the signs of the Rams offense are few and far between, but that's one place where it has been evident is the use of those quote-unquote bunch formations and tight formations, including last week's uh, play-action pass, play-action crosser to Tyler Boyd when he was lined up really tight to the offensive line, to the main part of the formation. A few different interesting pieces that we have seen so far that we really won't be looking for as much in the fourth preseason game. Yeah, I like the bunch formation that you brought that up because when I was doing my film review of Damian Willis, and since he's replacing A.J. Green, he replaced Josh Malone, who Josh Malone I felt was replacing A.J. Green also. So seeing where he was lining up will give a good indication, I think, of where Green will probably line up. And they were basically putting him in two slot receivers at that at the same time. We talked about this to an extent with the Rams. I mean, we there everyone's going to be a slot receiver at some point in this offense and seeing Damian Willis do it a lot. And I think for a guy that's not, you know, physically gifted in, in a lot of ways in terms of speed and agility and explosiveness, he's, he's okay in all those areas uh, for a big guy. Putting him in the slot helps this, helps get him open. And, you know, if, Going into week one, two, three, maybe even off the first month of the season, seeing them employ that is going to help because you're not going to have all-world A.J. Green out there. It's, you need to scheme these guys open. So, yes, we're not going to see that. And I, I'm going to get off that and go back to hopefully preseason week four. But I think O'Shea Dugas is another guy that needs to play much better than he did week three. If he plays. In order, that's right. If he plays, you kind of hope he does to do that because I think there was a chance there we were after two weeks we were saying maybe he's on the active roster right maybe he's on the 53 as the fourth tackle but I think as of right now he's on the practice squad and if he doesn't play or if he plays poorly if he gets out there it could maybe even kick him off of there because I think the Bengals are going to look at offensive linemen come cut down day I think absolutely though they will I think O'Shea Dugas earned the chance to play against some second teamers and he got the chance to do it in the second or sorry third preseason game and then he looked mentally lost and he looked physically overmatched at times but in the first two weeks of the preseason he was one of the best rookies according to pro football focus in the entire league he held up really solidly against some of those third and fourth teamers that he went against and that was an encouraging sign that's what kind of made us think okay that could be your fourth tackle maybe that's okay At this point, like Joe said, if he plays, he's fighting for a roster spot. But let's take some time to focus on the wide receiver position. Because I think that's the most interesting roster battle that's left. And that's what Zach Taylor said in his press conference a couple days ago. He wasn't ready to comment there. He was ready to commit Damian Willis to be a starter and Michael Jordan and Trey Hopkins to be starters in a very calm, collected, matter-of-fact way when he presented it to the media. But he also said, we're not sure what's happening at the back of that roster in the wide receiver room where Cody Core, Josh Malone, to a lesser degree, Hunter Sharp, Ventel Bryant are all fighting for roster spots. And it feels like they could all still win one. Maybe not Hunter Sharp, uh, but I'm not sure Core and Malone are locked down the way we believe. The guy really hasn't done anything on, on offense side of the ball is Alex Erickson. And, and you know, people will bring it up. Fans will bring it up. Is Erickson safe? And I keep saying yes, but... The more you hear Taylor talk about Malone and talk about Core and talk about Auden Tate, and you go, 
there's just not enough positions. You're going to have to cut somebody you really like. And he doesn't really say anything about Erickson except for he's a pro and he's always in the right spot and he played special teams, which is valuable. But I do wonder if if Malone can get more kick return chances. We saw the clip of John Ross practicing for the first time. He was taking a kick return. And it starts to make you think, well, if they keep Darius Phillips on the active roster, do they have to keep Alex Erickson? And then I go, well, Malone has to play well. Core has to play well. Auden Tate, he's not going to play. Doesn't seem like it, at least. Uh, yeah, he's not going to. And then you got Ventel Bryant that has to play well. It, it's going to take a lot for Erickson to get off the roster. I just kind of wanted to bring that up because I've seen a lot of people ask it lately. And because I do like this receiving core, and it starts to make you think you got to cut someone eventually. Here's why Alex Erickson is making the team. One, Darren Simmons loves him. Two, he's a backup slot receiver. He is the yeah. first backup slot receiver. Period. I agree. Erickson's making the team, I think, for sure. Those of you that are asking, he this isn't like Brandon Tate making the team. Erickson is a better player, I think, than Brandon Cody Tate. Cody Core is like Brandon Tate. Cody Core is Brandon Tate, and he's having the best preseason I think he's ever had, at least as a receiver, which is why he made our 53-man roster yesterday. The last couple of spots to talk about, I think, are on the defensive side of the ball. Andrew Brown, big question mark. Devontae Harris, Big question mark. Both those guys have to go out there and perform. And then what's going to happen at linebacker? Is anybody going to show that they belong on an NFL roster in this group of backup linebackers? Because we really haven't seen it so far. I know we could be looking at guys that are playing in this entire game at linebacker. And maybe only Jermaine Pratt is the guy that's on the roster in a couple days after that. Because uh, I don't think Brown's going to play. I wouldn't be surprised if Evans and Vigil both sit also. Maybe Evans is out there, but still... Pratt, that's it. All eyes on Pratt for the first half. And then afterwards, can anybody do anything? Can Malik Jefferson make a play finally in his life? And then I I look at safety also because I think the fourth spot should go to Brandon Wilson. But like you said, Kennell's played well. But Trayvon Henderson also keeps popping up for other people on their 53. And it makes you think that they're hearing from the team that they like Henderson more than Wilson. And I'm going to watch those guys closely because it still seems like Wilson gets out there before Henderson on defense. Yep. He plays on special teams before Henderson on, on special teams. Maybe that's why they're, they're maybe they're keeping five. And I brought that up yesterday. Uh, but keep an eye on that back end of that safety and watch them on special teams. Watch all of these guys on special teams if you can and see if they're making plays, if they're making their blocks, if they're missing tackles, if they're getting yelled at or out of position. Yeah. Because I think that's the easiest key for special teams is trust. And that's normally something we can't tell until Darren Simmons has a fit on the sideline. It'll be really interesting to see how this 53-man roster shakes out. This is going to be the first one, of course, of Zach Taylor's career in Cincinnati and ever as a head coach. We don't have the old, well, Marvin Lewis would do this to fall back on anymore for the first time ever. So I'm sure there will be some surprises. And we'll talk about the 53-man roster when it's announced on Monday. And we'll have a player interview to go with that. So look forward to that. Let's take another quick break before we get into your questions. Joe, is your DoorDash there yet? No, it's not because if it was, we wouldn't be recording. But I uh, ordered some calzones from Michael's Italian restaurant downtown, and uh, they deep fry them with ricotta and mozzarella cheese. Jake, oh, man, they're so big, too. I'm so hungry. Remember, you can save $5 on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. 
At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash Dell EMC. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. We hear from all the A-list music stars like Jay Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. It's almost like sometimes before you even get in the industry, it's like you set up to fail. And there's so many moments where you can win. And the winning is great, but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win. And so much more who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to the next level, changed their life, overlooked to being overbooked. When I was recording the song, I already knew it was going to be a global hit. And I'm not joking, my G. I really felt it inside of me. I was like, I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. We want the best of both worlds. We want a hybrid. A smarter hybrid cloud approach with IBM helps retailers manage supply chains with Watson AI while predicting demands with ease. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit ibm.com slash hybrid cloud. And we're back, segment three of the Locked on Bengals podcast with Jake and Joe. We're going to take some of your questions now in our mailbag segment of the week. And we're going to kick it right off here. This is from Zachary Insp. I want to say that's like Inspector Z underscore C2719. That's a very generic name there, Zachary. Anyways, do you think officials practice lobbing balls to each other and catching said lobbed balls, at least for primetime games, right? I think this is a very important question, Jake. It's so easy to do. Have you ever tried underhand, two-hand tossing a ball? You can do it. Any, I think almost anybody could do this. Do you given, have to use two hands? That's the way to do it best is to use two hands. You get a lot more power control on it. It's like a rugby wow. toss. Rugby tosses are two-handed underhand tosses. Comes out in a nice spiral. Real easy to How much to rugby have you played? I've played toss with rugby players. I have not played rugby myself. Okay. But I've, sure. I've been running and thrown a rugby ball on the run the way a rugby player does. I just haven't done it while I've been getting hit. So you think this is super easy, not even anything to mention. They don't practice it at all. They just go roll out there and they throw all of these balls perfect almost every time. I think most of these guys have been around football and women now have been around football their whole life. And so they, they've been catching and throwing balls their whole life. I don't think they really need to practice. Maybe once. Maybe, you know, we're like, so old. Let's get together at the beginning of the season and toss some footballs around, make sure we can do it. Yeah, they're, but they're still running with professional football players. And underhanding. I bet you they underhand about 100 balls a week, and they're just really good at it. They're, I think they're if we walked even... out there and underhanded a few spirals to each other, it'd be harder than it looks. I disagree. I've done it. But it's I, not hard. I bet I can underhand a ball perfect spiral 30 yards. Probably. I'm feeling confident now. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go record this. Watch this, Jake. <laughs> This Next is the kind question. of content you get, get Zachary, when you challenge Joe Goodberry to throw a ball underhand. Set up the tripod. I'm doing it. Get the camera, Mom. Next question comes from Dugan Hoffman, at Hoffman Knows on Twitter. Who are the potential players that could get traded before the roster cutdown? What value could the Bengals get for them? 
I think there's a few players that could be traded. Actually, Paul Denner did a good piece on this, wrote pretty much every scenario, high level of being or high um, chance of being traded to maybe not so likely, but let's discuss it. And that one of them is like John Ross. Let's discuss it at the very least. But uh, I do think from the start, Jeff Driscoll at quarterback and maybe to the Colts. I mean, why not? The Colts lost their quarterback. They can need a backup. They have Chad Kelly, but he's going to be suspended to start the year. Uh, actually, Jacoby Brissett and Jeff Driscoll were teammates and competed for a starting position in Flor- at Florida anyway. So they should probably fit right in. You could probably run a similar offense with those two type of athletes that have uh, decent arms too. So I think that could work. You get a firsthand look at them. But I also believe looking at the rest of the roster, you could trade maybe a defensive end if that's Jordan Willis. I think you could trade one of these uh, one of these backup corners or maybe it's because remember just a few years ago it was Ben A. Ben Wickery, who I didn't think played well in preseason, but maybe that's Tony Lippett this year. Even though he was out there, he showed that he's healthy now and he has starting experience in the NFL. Maybe somebody needs a corner that can come in and be their fourth guy. Or it might be one of Devontae Harris or Darius Phillips. Maybe somebody else liked them in the draft and they like Tony Lippett and think that he's recovered and can go out there and be a solid backup. Maybe it's one of those guys. I like the scenario of trading a defensive lineman for a linebacker. If they can find somebody that has a solid backup linebacker and needs a solid backup defensive lineman. Defensive linemen are worth more than linebackers. Somebody should be willing to make that trade if there is that fit somewhere in the league. Now, neither of us know the rosters of other teams well enough to say, oh yeah, the Carolina Panthers have a fifth linebacker who we think has looked really good and they don't need him, but they do need a defensive lineman. Uh, At least I I haven't paid that much attention. So I don't know who those guys are, but I expect the Bengals front office has kind of been keeping tabs on that a little bit more attentively than we have as fans as we're pretty focused on the Bengals just in a vacuum. Yeah, you got to think about it from the flip side, right? That'd be like if someone called the Bengals and said, hey, what do you want for Andrew Brown? He's played well this preseason. He may not make your roster but we could use a versatile defensive lineman we'd kind of be like ah i don't want to give away andrew brown but they said well we got a linebacker here that's been similar but we don't need a lot an extra linebacker well then you consider it you know that you, you always think well let's get rid of jordan willis for that linebacker but willis has just been okay and done what he's always done in preseason really hasn't jumped off the charts or anything like that so trading willis for a linebacker that has played good for another team may be a little bit far-fetched That's a fair point. Jordan Willis has been a real preseason hero, grading very highly each of the last three seasons in the preseason and then hasn't really translated against starters once a regular season comes around. And our next question is from John Jeffries, OH. He asks, how would you rank your top five players drafted since 2015? I assume he means for the Bengals, right? And how would you rank your five worst drafted players since 2015? Jake, I think it's a really good question. Yeah, so let's start with the five best since 2015. Uh, William Jackson, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, Carl Lawson, Jesse Bates. Oh, you would do that. That was pretty fast. I mean, how would you rank them, though? Oh, I have to I give do, them one I do to like three? That. Okay. Well, I don't think you have to, but I, I guess I'm getting to the same players. Let's try. Okay. Number one. From a purely football perspective, I think is Joe Mixon. Number two, probably Tyler Boyd, but I'd call it a tie for two with Boyd and Jackson. And then, for, oh, Carl Lawson, though. But he's been yeah, hurt. That's, I put Carl Lawson number one. 
because it's a fourth hurt. round pick. So you get him in a fourth round. The value's there. You're saying at that point, you know, we believe he got we have a high grade where everyone else is passing on him. You're actually pulling the trigger. So I put Lawson at one and Boyd at two. Boyd at two because remember that draft class, that receiver draft class. Everyone wanted those first round guys. I mean, yeah. they're all off that team now at this point. Josh Jackson and Treadwell are on the trading block. The Bengals stuck it to you know to all of us and and stuck to their guns and in round two selected Tyler Boyd who was a slack guy that's limited athletically which means terrible value but they've gotten a really good player that now is extended I put him at number two and then for me Jesse Bates is five just because I don't know what he is yet but for me Mixon is one because I think he's the most special at any position like if you look at running back rank I think Mixon is better than any of the other guys we're talking about Lawson is lower for me because he's been hurt if he goes out there and he's healthy for the next two years, then this changes. Yeah, easy. I've got Mixon number five. Okay. And I do because I had him as a top ten prospect in that class. So it was a no-brainer for me to take him in, or for the Bengals to take him in round two. I don't think you know anyone could have made that evaluation and made that pick. And he's been just as good. Maybe, maybe they actually have made him a little bit worse than what the expectation is only because he hasn't been used as much in the passing game. So it's a great pick, but I think anyone could have made the pick and he would have been just as good, if not better, somewhere else. Yeah, I guess I don't look at it as much as a, who, what did they do uniquely? Right, but, what did they? I mean, Joe Mixon in the second round, you get a running back who's at the top of the league. I mean, you're talking about him in the same breath as you're talking about guys that were picked near the top of the first round. So Sure, but Kareem Hunt and uh, Elvin Kamara were drafted after him. Oh, sure. I mean, there's always going to be running backs drafted after that are good. That's just the nature of the beast. It was a great class. So some of the picks that were probably the worst picks. That's right. I mean, they're all in in 2015. Dawson. The whole class. Abwehi, Fisher, Dawson, Shaw, Hardison. Nothing. Nothing for many of those guys. No, seriously, that is a terrible class. Because you look back, 16 looks pretty good, 17 looks pretty good. I mean, even 18 right now, I'm not ready to call anything. Even though Billy Price is now currently benched, I wouldn't put him in there. I think there's other guys that definitely... Man, 16 is a great, great draft, though. All those guys are still on the team. 17, pretty good. I mean, 17, you get Mixon, Lawson, Glasgow, yeah, all solid players. 18. Marcus Hardison was the worst pick, though. They took him right before Grady Jarrett. Marcus Hardison was a very bad pick. You could also say very easily, and I don't want to do this because people love to jump on him, but you could say John Ross over over Patrick Mahomes is a bad oh, pick. Oh, yeah, but, or Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And Marcus uh, Marshawn Lattimore, right in yeah, between there. They, they could have I mean, picked any of those other guys. Those are all pro-type guys right there, and yeah. they didn't, you know, they missed it. But I hate to pile on John Ross. Right. Because I think in an alternate dimension, he was, you know, he, I think injuries are a roll of the dice sometimes. Even though he's more geared up to be injured, I think. In another universe, he played fine his rookie year. He had a better his second year. And I think we all have different expectations in that scenario. I just think it's easily could have ended up a different way as we currently sit. Not that we should sound so down on him right now. Yeah, I agree. The last question we have time for today comes from Jeff Johnson at Showstop at 2003. General football question. Why do teams dedicate a roster spot for long snappers instead of just having a center, backup center, handle the duties? I used to ask this also and wonder why you just don't have a kicker or punter be one guy, right? But uh, they're listed as specialists for a reason, and it's because they specialize in long snapping now. Every center should be able to do that, right? What's the difference between a shotgun? But I think... 
a lot of times if you watch a practice or training camp, the offense is doing its thing, doing their drills, going through their plays. Special teams is off on a whole other field. They need a long snapper for that. They need a guy that's has the repetitions in with the with the punter, with the kicker, with the holder, and it would be hard for them to work in that starting center or backup center with the special units, the kicker and the punter. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Thanks for the questions. Thanks for listening. There's a game of football happening, the last one of the preseason, and then the Bengals go to Seattle for the first regular season game of 2019. We're looking forward to it, and we're looking forward to going on the ride with you. Have a good one, Bengals fans. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.